When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. It's been nearly two months, but the Hamden Road podcast is back. The Euros are long gone, and we're getting back on the World Cup qualifying campaign trail. It's Andy Barge here with Gordon Sheerk and Ben Ramage, as normal, to have a chat about Scotland's squad announcement, which happened today, and also Steve Clark's contract extension announcement, which happened today. So we'll cover both of those. Why don't we just, first of all, start off, guys, with a quick chat about Steve Clark? It's now going to take him through to the end of the qualifiers for Euro 2024, I think. Is that right? So that's uh, Mm -hmm. come, I think, at a strange time, considering we're halfway through uh, a qualifying campaign for the World Cup. Where do you stand on it, Gordon? Well, I think I'm right in saying that his his contract only ran until the end of the World Cup qualifiers. Um, So obviously the end of the World Cup qualifiers could only be potentially the end of this calendar year if we don't make the playoffs. So I think giving him a new contract, it takes away that uncertainty. It allows him to build with this team. It allows the squads to build with him. And yeah, I think think as well, I, I would like to think that we can move beyond everyone panicking over individual results. You know, we do need to start treating this like a long-term project. And, you know, Steve Clark's been in the job for two years now, and this will take him up to and including five years in the job, which I think will hopefully be a good level of consistency. You saw that when Michael O'Neill took over at Northern Ireland, it took quite a while for him to get results. But once they started coming, they kept coming. So uh, I think keeping the faith with what we're doing is is a good thing. Um, I know we can people will argue to the cows come home if it was a good Euros or a bad Euros, but we did the Euros, we've done that, we've achieved that. Um, now we need to go to a World Cup or definitely the Euros after that. So I'm, I like the, the consistency and I like the, the approach that we're taking with giving him a new contract. Ben, concerned or happy? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Um, I thought it was quite a big call to give him the next campaign as well, given this one's still really in its infancy. Um, I, I'm surprised that they've done it before this triple header, given the importance of this triple header. We may well know virtually whether we've got a chance still or not by the end of this triple header. So we've kind of paid ourselves into a bit of a corner in that respect. Um, I know we, 
They talked about results in isolation, but I think the last eight competitive games we've only won once, and that was against the Pharaohs. So I think the results do need to take a positive upturn. And the next three games, you know, if things don't go well, then there might be a bit of pressure on Clark. So like Gordon said, with the, the length of the contract, I think it's it's good to get him under contract so that he doesn't feel like leaving. Um, but like I said, we've kind of paid ourselves into a corner where we are committing to him for the next campaign at least. Yeah, I, th- I think as we approached the playoff against Serbia, Scotland were on quite a nice unbeaten run at that point. I think we eventually reached nine, ten games, guys, didn't we? Something along those lines. But as you say, Ben, if things go badly over the next wee while, we could end up with one or two wins in the previous 10 or 11 um, competitive games anyway, if we take out the Luxembourg match before the Euros. So, yeah, it's not been the greatest run, certainly this calendar year. But look, as Gordon says, we, we got to the Euros, we gave it we gave it a go, didn't work out. And now we've got bigger things to focus on with trying to reach the World Cup. I do, do agree with you that if we do end up finishing fairly far behind Denmark and or Austria or even Israel, will we look back on this contract offer and think, you know what, that probably wasn't the right thing to do. I think it is um, uh, a hasty decision, I think, to be honest. I'm not saying that I'm against it, but I think it would have made more sense to wait a wee bit longer and see where we, where, where, what the lie, of the, lie, the lie of the land is as we get to the end of the, the World Cup qualifiers. Um, I don't think we can dwell on it too much longer. We've got loads to talk about tonight, so we'll move on to the squad. There are a few changes, a couple of new names in there. Most notably, I suppose, in the goalkeeping position, Xander Clark and Liam Kelly are in. John McLaughlin and David Marshall, the hero of the playoff against Serbia, go out. I think this is something that a lot of people have been clamouring for. Xander Clark, probably more so recently than Liam Kelly, given St Johnston's success. And to be honest, I'm fairly surprised he's the only St Johnston player that's come in. I kind of half expected Jason Kerr to join him. He hasn't done Ben, are you comfortable with these two goalkeepers that have come in? I know you've you've covered Motherwell in the past and you're a fan of Liam Kelly too. Yeah, I think before the Euros, we spoke about maybe taking one of Kelly or Clark to sort of get that experience of going to a major tournament because we felt like they were going to be one of the future goalkeepers for the country. So I, I think that was a mistake to not take one of them. Um, and Clark has obviously got a lot of experience now, you know, winning the cup double with St. Johnson, which was tremendous. And then obviously playing the Euro games as well in the Europa League against Galatasaray, you know, that's the kind of games that get you ready for international level. So I've got absolutely no problem with him coming in for that. Um, Liam Kelly, I think, has done well. And again, he's he's at a better age for a keeper. Gordon now looks like he's going to be the number one, which I totally agree with. Um, but we need somebody to step into those shoes when he goes because he's he's not got that long left. Um, so I think it absolutely makes sense to bring them both in, get a proper look at them and uh, yeah, and see how they get on. Gordon, Craig Gordon will be the number one, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, he doesn't have long left. I mean, even if he plays into his 40s, that means he's only got about what is it, 18 months or two years to go. So it's rapidly nearing the end of Craig Gordon's time. And to be honest, I wonder if Scotland don't make it to the World Cup, if he'll call it a day at the end of this uh, campaign for Qatar, which kind of would make sense, to be honest, considering he's still playing at a decent level club-wise. Um, Xander Clark and Kelly then look to be the ones that Clark is focused on to replace him, or Anne Marshall. Um, so how do you feel about those two? 
Yeah, I think I think it's great to, great to see them in the squad. Um, but I think we probably would all agree that Craig Gordon will be the one with the gloves in this triple header coming up. But yeah, with his limited time left at the top level, it's absolutely the most pressing concern in this Scotland squad that we need to have the goalkeeping succession planning in place. And now is the time to do it. So perfect time, get these two guys in, get them in training, see how they do, see how they cope. Obviously, we've got a new goalkeeping coach as well coming in. So there's quite a lot of refreshing going on in this uh, in this Scotland squad for this triple header. Um, yeah, I, I, and but you know, I think it's probably a, an appropriate time just to reflect on just how how blessed we've been for so long. I mean, we're talking the past like 15 years that Scotland have had one-off McGregor, Marshall, Craig Gordon. I mean, what a phenomenal run we've had in goals. So that luck couldn't last forever and it maybe hasn't lasted forever. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what these guys can bring because I think, I think they fully deserve their places in the squad. To be honest, Xander Clark has, has proved me very wrong. Uh, if you asked me even this time last year, can you ever see Xander Clark being a Scotland squad? I would have said no. Uh, I felt he was too prone to mistakes. Uh, I didn't think he was reliable. Whereas last season, the whole St. Johnston team, sure, they were they were superb and they've, they've achieved great things, but Clark was a massive part of it. Um, kept clean sheets when it mattered, came up and contributed against Rangers from the corner when it mattered, when Kane poked it over the line. You know, he was, he was such an integral part of it. And I think that, I don't think I'll be the only one that has been proved wrong by Clark's um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even call it a turnaround because I don't think he even started here and dropped his level. So I don't think he's turning around to go back. I just think he's increased his performance level um, to somewhere we've not seen it before. So yeah, fair enough that he's been uh, rewarded with that. And to be honest, I think if there is a pecking order, if Craig Gordon pulls up injured in the training, I think that Clark would be the one to to get the gloves over Kelly in this instance. Um, the centre halves are pretty much. As you were, there's uh, no Scott McTominay guys, which is a blow. He's, he needs some sort of operation, which Man United are, are keen for him to have. So, therefore, he's not coming away in international duty. I think they're utilising their authority to make sure he gets it done now, which is a pain, Gordon, isn't it? But it's just the way of the modern international football world. Yeah, it is. Look, it, it, it's always frustrating when you see clubs almost kind of flex their muscles a little bit and maybe exert a bit of influence to utilise an international break as an opportunity for a player like Scott McDominay to get an operation he might need so he doesn't miss as many club games as he might do otherwise. Um, I think it's a, it's a desperate shame because I think Scott McDominay has been very good for us and I think he's played his best football when he's played an, in the right side of the three for us. Um, who replaces him? You're probably looking in this squad, maybe maybe going back to Jack Hendry, I guess. I know, um, Ben, you might want to talk about a certain Jambo that maybe could be in the squad. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think, I think I'd like to think the back three will be unchanged. I think Grant Hanley will continue. He didn't get much pre-season due to injury, but he started the season with Norwich and Kieran Tierney looks to be fit, hopefully after a, a little scare at the weekend. Well, just, just before you come in there, Ben, because... It's John Suter. I don't think anyone will get any prizes for guessing that's who is about to be spoken about. Um, but I'm, to be honest, I'm fairly surprised that McKenna uh, and Hendry and Gallagher have all kept their place. I know that Hanley and Cooper are, are Premier League defenders and naturally they're going to be in the squad. Massive relief at Tierney, uh, who looked like he might have been taken off with a little injury at the weekend against Chelsea. He makes it, which is a big plus. But to be honest, there are some defenders that are probably right on the cusp now of, of getting in the squad. I would include uh, Stephen Welsh at Celtic. I think that he's probably on the radar. 
I would include certainly Jason Kerr at Saints. Um, I've seen Ryan Porteous's name mentioned in Twitter a few times. Not for me, guys. I'm sorry. Not yet. Ryan Porteous. McIntyre down uh, at Reading, I think, is a, a centre-half. I'm not sure, Gordon, you might know if he's left-sided or not, but I think that McIntyre's been playing uh, quite a lot of championship football. And then we come to your man, Ben. Uh, John Suter, who you think would be a fairly solid replacement, like for like, uh, in terms of a right-sided defender of a, a back three if McTominay's not playing. Yeah, just touching on the the guys that you've mentioned that have stayed in the squad, I think Clark, we've seen it so many times, it's, it's about this consistency of calling people up and building this squad. And we've seen it before where we've gone into games with defences where they don't have a lot of caps between them and it has not ended well. I think in defence, that's where you really get found out. So I think he's trying to build these guys into international centre-backs. And the only way to do that is to keep picking them, keep them in the squad. They they might not, well, they likely won't play if we have our first three available, but it's good. I think he's just trying to build that consistency. Um, looking at John Suter, I, it's not just because I'm a Hearts fan and I'm a big fan of his. I think when you, you see a lot of people speak about him and a lot of people saying that he's destined to go to the top if he stays fit, that's obviously the biggest part. He's obviously had his injury problems. Um, but looking at a replacement for McTominay, what worked so well when he was on the left side, on the right side, sorry, of that back three was the way he brought the ball out and the way he passed, the way he distributed. It was it was so imperative to how the system worked. And when you took it away, you could see we were so much more blunt and so much more predictable and easy to defend against. And Suter for me was is a really obvious choice to replace that because he's so comfortable with the ball at his feet and his passing range is so good. So I, I wasn't sure if he was going to get called up. I had a hope that he might, because I think, and especially given his age, if he can stay fit, I think he could go on to get a lot of caps. Um, obviously, he didn't make it. I'd be interested to know how close he was. Um, Porteous as well, because I do think Porteous is, again, another promising centre-back, and he has been playing in Europe with Hibs. You know, he's getting more and more experience. So another one that I imagine would have been pretty close. There's a couple of... Contentious maybe doesn't really cut it, but um, there are a couple of choices in the wing-back areas which always draw the ire of Scotland fans. Stephen O'Donnell's still there. Um, I think Stephen Clark, uh, Stephen Clark, gosh, his Sunday name, Steve Clark, uh, really likes O'Donnell, got confused with how Steve's there. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell, uh, Clark's a big fan, and Nathan Patterson, who's included in the Euro squad, uh, hasn't really featured much for Rangers this season, annoyingly, but... And he's there as well. We, we all do expect him to go on and, and do good things for whatever club he plays for, Rangers, Everton, if they get him, and then Scotland as well. A few people giving shouts to Anthony Ralston at Celtic and Calvin Ramsey at Aberdeen. Um, I think that well, Ramsey, I don't even think he's 18 yet. And if he has turned 18, it's only been in the last couple of weeks. So He's literally just turned 18, yeah. Right, OK. Uh, and Ralston, I'm not sure he's done enough yet to prove that he could go and play for Scotland because the system that he's thriving in at Celtic is a very specific one and not how Scotland play. And he's not thrived at Celtic until now. So for me, not done enough. Ramsey, uh, in my opinion, yes, he's played more football than Patterson this season. I think Patterson showed enough last season um, to, to get in the squad and he's kept his place. Fair enough. We'll quickly move to the left side and we can cover it all at once, guys. Um, I've also seen a couple of suggestions that Jack McKenzie of Aberdeen, who's started the season well, can't be far away if Greg Taylor's still getting in. I think, again, Taylor's 
done enough to warrant at least a place over Jack McKenzie for now. Hickey's getting a couple of shouts too. He started for Bologna um, and their uh, opener against uh, Sal... Fuck, I'm going to get this wrong now. I wish I hadn't even tried to say it. I think it was Salar Tina or something like that in, in Italy. Um, he started for Bologna. So these guys are getting football. Where do we stand on the fullback situation? We'll come to you first, Ben. Yeah, I've seen all the calls for Calvin Ramsey. I think I've looked it up. He's got three caps for the under-17s, um, which is good. You know, that's good experience. But by all accounts, that's where the Scotland national setup see him, you know, progressing. I think, yes, okay, he's had a good start um, to his, you know, his life at Aberdeen. But these three games are humongous. You know, they're, they're massive. And I'm just, I'm not sure that he is ready to step in to that kind of game and thrive, you know, how could you possibly know that at that age? Um, I know you could say you look at Billy Gilmore, but Billy Gilmore's a slightly different case in that he's a Chelsea player and the, the players that he's training with are world-class and he shone in, in that game against England. And for me, he's, he's another level up where you can say, okay, he's young, but he's also absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, Taylor, I think, yeah. Okay. Get him in, you know, he's cover. It's 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 not it's not the end of the world. I think our fullbacks are pretty much set, although it'll be interesting to see if Patterson gets the nod over Stephen O'Donnell. Not hundred percent sure. I know he hasn't been playing as much, but you can tell again Patterson when he came in, he just looked fearless like Gilmore did. He just looked like he was absolutely comfortable on the ball, happy to attack. And given our defense, maybe we need a bit more of an attacking threat because we haven't been scoring a lot lately. Another couple of names I'll throw at you, Mr. Shiak are Sean Rooney on the right side and Josh Doig on the left. Um, let's have them into the mix for your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Steve Clark and you look at his reign writ large and you look at this squad, I think, you know, you, you're always only ever looking at incremental change when it goes to squad to squad. You know, we said that there's four players that were in the Euro squad that aren't in this squad and four new players have come in. That's really not a lot when you consider a 26-man squad and I think as well what you can see is Steve Clark he picks his squad he's picking it as much for the long term as he is for these games and I, I for me I think that's a really positive way to do it and it's different to what we've seen before that I think a lot of times Scotland managers were often quite susceptible to the the cat calls for certain players to to be included you know someone hit a bit of form for three or four games and all of a sudden they have to be in the Scotland squad so they get called up they get thrown in they don't perform they get thrown out again and that's just the endless churn of players just did us no favors ever yeah. i mean i think if you're if you if you're basing selections based on form or based on minutes then nathan patterson shouldn't be in the squad like i don't think he's played a minute of first team football competitively this season but he's obviously seen as one for the future enough to merit just staying with the squad. And you've got to remember that, you know, a lot of this group, they had the full month training together before the Euros as well. So, I mean, the be- we, need to, we, we need to start seeing the benefits of that now. You know, you don't, you don't build all that work together of training together, working together, working on things every day, and then throw out half the team and start again from scratch. Like, Steve Clark is building something. We need to continue that building process. So I guess I can understand why a lot of these players that you're calling for, like your Doidges, like your Rooney's, aren't included. I I can understand that when you've got a guy like Patterson who who is in the squad because he's probably seen as the future of that position. 
long term. I, so. to, to clarify, I, I am not. These are names that have been thrown at us. Yeah, matter. not by you. <laughs> I, I, I do. I do think. I do think that the only one at the left back area that I would say could challenge Taylor to be the understudy would be Doig. Um, for me, I'm fairly comfortable with O'Donnell and Patterson being the right backs at the moment. Rooney's been doing well. Ramsey's had a good start to his career. So has Patterson. I think Patterson looked excellent last season. I, th- I think we are a bit too hyperbolic sometimes with, with this sort of thing. Ramsey has done well since he's come in for Aberdeen. He has just turned 18. I mean, I, I think that you should be rewarded. And that, yeah, that might fly in the face of my opinion on Patterson because last season there was a gap at right back to be filled um, behind Stephen O'Donnell and Patterson got in there, right? I don't see the need to change that now. But generally speaking, I think that it's nice that an international reward, uh, international call comes as a reward for some sort of extended run of form rather than just a, a good month or two, you know? I, I, I don't think that we should be jumping into call-ups. Oh, absolutely. And and especially in the case of someone like Anthony Ralston, who, yes, has started the season well, but Celtic have just signed a Croatian right back. So he's presumably going to be straight back out of the team again. And if he is back out of the team, and if we've called him up for this 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 group, then where's the justification for calling him up in October and November? So, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think call-ups should be more long-term, either based on your long-term form or based on the long-term outlook of where we think your career is going. I suppose someone then that fits into that bill is Lewis Ferguson, right? Because he's still only young Lewis Ferguson, um, early 20s, a uh, push. In fact, let me just tell you right now, guys, how old Lewis Ferguson is, unless you know off the top. 22, I think. 22. This is birthday today. 22 today. Happy birthday, Lewis Ferguson. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Lewis Ferguson has been good for at least two full seasons now with Aberdeen, at least uh, one football writer's player of the year is scoring important goals. He scored in, in semi-finals. He scored in Europa League qualifiers at, against Burnley and this season as well. He scored against Breedoblick and Hacken. So that's the sort of form that I think we need to see guys sustaining for them to get a call-up to the national team. And to be honest, I'm happy that, that Ferguson's getting a goal. I'm not sure how much football he'll play, but it's good to see him getting a goal because we know that he's got a lot a, a long future ahead of him, I think, in the Scottish national team, whereas John Fleck, who's now needing his 30s, has dropped back down to the Championship with Sheffield United, hasn't really had the impact that we hoped he would with the national team. He doesn't really have much of a future, Ben. Yeah, no, 100%. You touched on Ferguson. He's nearing 100 games for Aberdeen. And that is a, that's an impressive total at his age. And it's not just, you know, sub-appearances. He's been a really important player for them. He's also got eight caps for the under 21. So he's obviously been brought through the system and they've thought about him and they've thought, right, this is the time to bring him in. That's like the long-term planning that Gordon's alluded to. And it doesn't count. It's not right to just chuck boys in because they've had three or four good games at the start of the season. And especially when they're that age, because the risk factor is pretty high that you might break their confidence. They might, they might have a bad game and the fans turn on him and then he doesn't come back in again. So yeah, I was really delighted to see Bergson come in. I think you know, there's rumours that Watford are looking at him kind of similar to Patterson getting looked at by Everton and Liverpool. There's a reason that these boys are getting looked at. It's because of the potential that they have. They're, they're at a, a le- another level up, and that's the reason why they're getting into the international squad, because Clark sees that, and the coaches that he speaks to also see that. Yeah, just, just to advance on that point, Ben, I think that must be league games that uh, Lewis Ferguson's approaching, because because I'm doing Red TV this season, I've been trying to keep quite a close eye on them. He's definitely into at least the late 120s or 130s now, Lewis Ferguson, and his 
appearance off the bench against Wraith in the cup game that they get knocked out and was the first time he'd ever come off the bench for Aberdeen. So he's been an integral part of the squad for for a long time now. I mean, that that is, I said two seasons earlier, it must be at least but pushing the three seasons. Lewis Ferguson's been really, really the, the mainstay of the Aberdeen midfield, I suppose. So, yeah, I think I would say that it's a, a fair call-up this time, um, similar to, I think, David Turnbull at the end of last season, um, that this is a guy that had had a good few seasons of form. Yes, he missed a chunk of season with it with his knee injury when he his move to Celtic fell through, but we'd seen for at least 18 months or so what he could do and was rewarded with the call-up. Ferguson now a similar vein. And it's actually going to be interesting, Gordon, to see if Turnbull, considering how well he started the season with Celtic, gets more of an opportunity in this international break. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. I mean, we saw certainly towards the end of uh, Gordon Strachan's reign during the World Cup qualifying campaign that he, when Brendan Rodgers' Celtic team was just winning absolutely everything, he hit upon this incredible vein of um, just play all the Celtic players and they played together phenomenally well. So there are quite a few players in this team that, that have that teammate relationship that, you know, we could, we certainly could replicate. And you're right, Turnbull, Turnbull's one that started the season very well, but quite a few of his Celtic teammates have as well. You know, I mean, you see Ryan Christie scoring, you see James Forrest scoring, it's it's really good to see because you look at how many Scotland players that Celtic team have got. I think it is quite important for the the Scotland team that Celtic are are doing well week on week. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of exciting exciting opportunities there for sure. We um, I, I suppose we should touch on as well just the 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 importance of these games. I, I don't think that we'll have a harder international break in the whole qualifiers. To be honest, we've got Denmark and Austria away either side of Moldova at home, which should be a win. Should be a win, okay? It should be a win. Should be. <laughs> and, uh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Um, Denmark away, Austria away. I'm not even going to ask you for predictions or what would be an acceptable points tally because we don't know what's going to happen later on in the group. But what we can say for sure that the two toughest fixtures are coming in the same uh, international break. So it could make or break Ben the rest of the campaign here. If we fall flat in our faces, I'm not sure how we get back up and challenge for second. I'm not sure how that happens. If we do come away with this with uh, some credibility and some points under our belt, then it's full steam ahead. Yeah, 100%. It's when, I remember when the draw was made for the fixtures and you looked at this and you were like, Oof, you, you, don't, you don't want your two hardest games in the same window because... You know, injuries, COVID, everything that could happen that could take away key players. You know, touch wood, the squad looks fairly, you know, we're, only McTominay is the one and maybe Ryan Jack that you're really missing that might be starters. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. We're not going into it on a great run of form, to be honest. So it's, it's really, really quite nerve wracking, to be honest. It only really hit me the other day that, you know, in a couple of weeks time, we're probably going to know if the World Cup is still still realistic or not um so yeah it's, it's a massive massive three games yeah gordon this uh, i think it's quite good that we've got moldova at home in the middle of this to be honest because for example if it was israel at home then yeah a whole lot more nervy oh 100 percent. yeah you're 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 absolutely right hopefully moldova at home in the middle can be a nice little relaxing comfortable pair of jeans that we can all slip back into um obviously hopefully the ticket ticket sales are going well you have to shout out the scottish fa the ticket ticket prices are very very generous and very attractive 
it's a Saturday night kickoff against Moldova. You just really hope we're going to get a sellout crowd. It'll be an emotional moment, I think, to be back at Hamden with a sellout crowd. Um, but yeah, first game up, going to Copenhagen, you're not going to get a harder game in this group than going to Denmark. You know, Denmark, obviously, they've won their three games so far. They've got a goal difference of plus 14. They had a very impressive Euros in very testing circumstances, obviously, with Christian Eriksen. But having said all that, I mean, I've seen people wanting to write us off going to Copenhagen. But from where I'm sitting, if if this Scotland team can go to Wembley against that England team with that expectation and those players in their squad and we can play to a standard that can limit them to one shot from outside the box all game and draw the game very deservingly, then I I can't agree with anyone just writing us off in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. I think we can go there and give them a good game, for sure. I think if we can avoid defeat, that would be arguably as good as a win. I think we're looking at second place in the group, beat Moldova at home. Then we travel to Austria, who, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, will be missing Sasha Kalajic, their six-foot-seven Centre forward talisman who obviously scored twice against us at Hamden. So, you know, that's a bonus. Really that is a bonus. That's a massive bonus. Of course it is. You know, I, I mean, th- this triple header will be very difficult. And you're right. By the end of it, we pro- will probably know where we're standing. Um, but actually, of course, while we're playing Moldova, uh, Austria do travel to Israel, and obviously we know how difficult a trip to Israel can be. So, fingers crossed, they do us a favour. Yeah, we should talk about the the attacking players too. There, uh, there's the place for Shea Adams, there's a place for uh, Lyndon Dykes, who I think we all knew would be in the squad. James Forrest is still there, Ryan Fraser's still there, which I think maybe has surprised a few because he's not exactly Newcastle's flavour of the month and hasn't been for some time. Kevin Nisbet keeps his place, he's had a fairly quiet start to the season, but he's still in there. Anyone disappointing you guys with their inclusion or surprising you with their exclusion? Not massively, um, to be honest. I think... Dykes has scored in the last couple of QPR games, which is obviously good. We know that he's one of Clark's favourites, so I imagine he's going to be heavily involved. Adams has played the last few games for Southampton, and I think he's played well. So I think they're the they're the likely sort of strikers. We talked about it at the Euros, maybe pushing Adams further up into the box. Um, I know, Gordon, you were very keen to see him get more in the box and get a few more chances yep. closer in. And, you know, I would actually look at maybe playing him up front ahead of Dykes, um, but it all depends on the system that Clark is wanting to play. Fraser has played a couple of times for Newcastle um, so far this season, So, and I think, again, he's one of Clark's favourites. And to be fair, I think he's always done pretty well in a Scotland shirt. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what combination he goes with. I think the midfield's fairly solid. I think that's going to kind of take care of itself. Um, it'll be interesting to see what combination of wide players and strikers he goes with. How do you see it panning out, Gordon? Because, for example, in the Euros, we did start with Lyndon Dykes up there on his own in the first game, and Shea Adams kind of changed the way that the Euros seemed to be going for us when he started to be included as well. But when that happened, Ryan Christie dropped out. He only started the first game, and he started this season superbly with Celtic. Do you, do you imagine he'll come back into the fold? I think he's. I think he certainly could. Yeah, I think. I think perhaps that game against Denmark, when we may have to sit deeper, maybe spring more on the counter. You maybe want to be playing with Shea Adams as the central striker and a guy like Ryan Christie playing off him, who can, who is comfortable if he needs to drop deep in, deeper into midfield to get the ball. Um, of course, as well, I think the the attackers we've got. I think you could probably see a bit more tactical flexibility as well. The fact that we've got 
Fraser and Forrest in the team, you've got two more natural wingers. So if we want to go with a sort of a 4-3-3, for example, you know, if you've got Fraser one side, Forrest the other, Shea Adams through the middle, that's quite a lot of pace to play with on the counter-attack. So I think there's, yeah, I, I'm uh, Shea Adams, I've spoken at length about how much I think he is our number one striker and should continue to be our number one striker. Um, but I think there's plenty of options to play off him and play around him. But yeah, just got to support him and got to get him into the shooting positions, not the other way around. Fraser and Forrest have both actually played as wingbacks as well. So that's actually quite a nice idea of having, you know, yes, they're both rapid and they've brought really good deliveries, but they, they are capable of defending as well. So if, especially for that Denmark game, you'd think that that could actually work quite well. Guys, I'll tell you who I'm slightly surprised about that hasn't returned to the squad, given how prominently they've have featured in it over the past couple of years. Ollie McBurney. I thought that now that he's back to fitness, he, he might have got in ahead of Kevin Nisbet, um, but Nisbet's kept his place. Do you think that given McBurney's um, slow start, I suppose, to his Scotland career in terms of goals and the fact that Nisbet's already got one impacts that quite greatly, Ben? Yeah, I don't think McBurney can have too many complaints. He has he has had an awful lot of opportunities. We all, we always gave him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, we really did. We were kind of defending him whenever everyone else around was was calling for his throat. Um, but yeah, I think again, Nisbet probably has more of a future um, in the jersey. I think he's he's a real natural goal scorer, and I think when you're looking for someone to come off the bench and change a game, you want someone that has that sort of finishing ability. And Nisbet clearly has. Um, and I don't think Nisbet will be at Hibs for an awful lot longer. I don't think he started the season particularly well, but I think the all the transfer talk is probably in his head a little bit. I know he almost had the move last season. I think I think he's wanting a move. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he does go to Celtic or whether he goes down south. But I, I just think he has more of a future um, as a Scotland striker. As you say, he's already scored. I think, I think Clark sees him as more of a viable option up front. Gordon, has, uh, has McBurney's opportunity come and started to go? I think I think we we agreed this sort of when it when it became very clear that McBurney wasn't going to be in the Euro squad, that it the baton was the ball the ball the ball was in his court and it was it's it's up to him to earn his place back. You know, I think it's quite clear that you know we talk about some certain players have a certain amount of credibility and money in the bank when it comes to being for the playing for the national team for the things that they've done in the jersey in the Scotland jersey. McBurney probably doesn't really have that, so it's up to him to go back to his club team and really demonstrate that he can't be overlooked. And he hasn't done that yet. You know, he started one game of the championship so far this season. Come off the bench in three, not scored yet. I mean, if he were to put together a championship season where he scores. 15 20 goals, then yeah, absolutely. He's going to be in the conversation. No, that's that's what he did initially. That's why he was in the conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course he was, yeah. Because because of that season that he had with Swansea where he scored so many goals and it just hasn't really happened for him since. So I think yeah, it, it's it, it's up to him. It, it's very much up to McBurney if he wants to be back in the squad, but he needs to show that he deserves to be back in the squad, and he's not done that yet. Quick chat about the midfield. We've not really spoken much. I'm assuming that we're all in agreement now that Billy Gilmore's a Scotland starter, guys. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It was great to see his name back on the uh, the squad list. It's obviously such a shame how it ended at the Euros. But yeah, I, I think again, looking to the future, he he is 
he's probably our future centre mid, but at the moment he's probably also one of our best centre mids. So yeah. I would I'd be surprised to not see him play just by how how well he orchestrated that midfield at Wembley in one of the most high pressure games of our history. Um, I, I you know nothing nothing's going to phase him now, and he's getting regular game time with Norwich which I think is massive. I've seen some people saying, oh, why has he done that? You know, we should be just stayed training with Chelsea. But to be playing week in, week out in the Premier League against massive teams, that's huge for his development. Um, so I'm delighted that, he, that he's gone there. Gordon, the, uh, I tell you who I'm really excited to see alongside him, Callum McGregor, because I feel that, well, he, only, he scored our only goal at the Euros, right, against Croatia, good finish. But we've always spoken that we feel McGregor that hasn't really turned it on for Scotland in the same way that we've seen him do for Scotland, eh, sorry, for Celtic um, over the last wee while. They started the season really well for Celtic in a bit of a different role, to be honest, more as a kind of single deeper midfielder. Now, he's likely to play alongside Gilmore, you'd imagine, with John McGinn just in front of them. But I'm wondering if there's a change of scenery um, at Celtic, a bit more responsibility for him can impact the way that he sees his role in the Scotland team, the way that he brings his qualities to the Scotland team. And I, I'm really excited to see if McGregor steps up for Scotland in the way that he has done for Celtic in the last month or so. Yeah, me too. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. You're right. I, th- I think taking on the captaincy at Celtic, I think that's been huge for him. I think even though, even the way that you see him speak to the media, I think he's got a real assuredness about him that he's carrying himself in a different way now that he is captain of Celtic. Um, and you're right, he's playing very well. He's playing in a team that are playing very well, which makes a big difference. Um, and I've got to say, I, when the when the team sheet came out for the Czech Republic game at the Euros, obviously we were everyone was focused on the fact that Kieran Tierney was injured. I was just as surprised that Cal McGregor didn't start that game because I just fully, fully expected him to play. And I think we missed him in the end. And I think when it when we, we did go to that midfield of Gilmore, McGregor and McGinn against England, I think that was probably the best balanced midfield we could have had and it was probably the best controlling control of possession that we've ever had from midfield in a Scotland team so yeah I'm very excited to see that develop and of course if you've got McGregor and Gilmore sort of maybe sitting a little bit deeper controlling possession if that gives John McGinn the chance to roam further forward a little bit and get involved with the attacks then again that's a very good thing for him as well so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that midfield. I fully expect that to be the midfield in Denmark. Is that the midfield you'd like to see as well, Ben, which would then rule out players like Stuart Armstrong, Lewis Ferguson, Kenny McLean, David Turnbull, and depending where you see him fitting in, Ryan Christie? Yeah, I would say so. I think McGregor, he, we spoke about him so often, but I think he won our hearts in Serbia because you know, that was such a gigantic game and he was, he was colossal in that midfield. He was just incredible. And we said if he could bring that every every international camp, we'd be delighted. Um, I think he's come out of the shadow of Scott Brown. Obviously, Scott Brown was just such a massive character at Celtic um, for, for obvious reasons. You know, it was totally merited. But I think that he's thrived at having that extra bit of responsibility. He's that bit older now. Um, I think him and Gilmore, it's like a sort of double pivot in midfield, uh, would be great. I think there's so much quality on the ball there. Um, I don't want to say Xavi Iniesta, but... It's that kind we of. Have. They're, they're, I have. <laughs> uh, they're just so comfortable on the ball. I just think, you know, you don't have to be a big, massive, you know, bastard to be a brilliant midfielder. You know, if you make the ball do the work, you can get round people. And for me, Gilmore uh, and McGregor can do that. And McGinn, 
I think we saw McGinn was maybe just a little bit burnt out of the Euros. He just wasn't quite as swashbuckling as he normally is. But you've seen him for Aston Villa this season. He's been tremendous. And he is just such a talented player. I think if we can give him that little bit more freedom to go and create and go and attack, especially coming into the box, um, I think that is a win-win as well. So, yeah, I I think that's a really nice uh, trio in midfield. Someone left out the squad again um, is Ryan Gold. He's always going to draw attention given how well he played in Portugal last season. I know he's started life pretty well in MLS for Vancouver Whitecaps. I think two games and he's already got a goal and assist. Um, I'm sure that he is on Clark's radar, but I think this time genuinely, Gordon, I hope you can clarify, you've always got your finger on the pulse that would COVID travel issues really impact how much he could contribute on his way to the Scotland squad and then for Whitecaps on the way home? I, th- I think you're absolutely right, yeah. I, th- I think he'd be looking at an isolation period potentially at both ends. So, yeah, I, ju- I just think it rules it out for the time being. But I think I think it's great to see him in the MLS. The MLS is a very good league. It's a very strong league. And, yeah, look, I think we wanted to see him playing in a better team. We wanted to see him starring for a team. And you're right, coming off the bench for two games, getting an assist, scoring a goal. I mean, he's making a good impression so far. So, but it is still very early in his time there. You know, he's barely settled in. He's barely arrived. He's barely through the door. So I think we need to see him continue to develop over the course of this season um, and, yeah, see where he goes. But uh, you're right. He, he is the kind of guy, he, he always gets a lot of interest. Um, rightly so, because he's very talented. You've generally only got one space for a playmaker as well in the squad, like as a sub playmaker, because the, the, the likelihood is the midfield is settled. So... Gold would be coming on off the bench. And to be honest, I think levelling them up as playmakers, I think Turnbull is, you know, I would say he's a little bit more devastating. You know, you've seen his goals recently, his range of passing. You know, he's a perfectly good and he's actually a younger playmaker. So for me, Turnbull is still just edging him out of the squad at this at this moment. But obviously, as we always say, you wouldn't rule him out going forward, especially post-COVID. Look at looking at the squad in whole then the, the goalkeepers have, have changed. Well, two of them have changed. Marshall and McLaughlin are out. Kelly and Clark are in. Apart from that, looking through the, the Euro squad right now, John Fleck has just been omitted. I don't think it comes down to injury, um, unless I'm mistaken on that one. And Scott McTominay misses out because of uh, Man United stamping their authority all over their own player uh, and telling that he needs to get an injury scene to instead of coming to play for Scotland. So Clark has gone for um, what he knows again. It's uh, Lewis Ferguson and for John Fleck and the only outfield change made by choice, I suppose. So, yeah, Clark has kind of stuck to stuck to form, fellas, um, which I think that we've come to expect by now, um, especially when players like, like Ryan Fraser and... Uh, and who, who aren't really kicking much of a ball at the moment um, are, are still getting in the squad. He clearly has trust in these guys. What I'm asking you now, um, I'll come to you, Ben, first. Do you trust him to to go and get a result in Denmark and Austria? I think we'll, we'll leave Moldova aside. Uh, <laughs> with, my, with my head or my heart, I think... <laughs> Your instinct. Like, like we've spoke about numerous times, Clark is best when he's setting us up to defend and to break and to try and frustrate the other team and then try and break and try and nick goals. And to be honest, these two games are set up perfectly. You look at the Euros as well. You know, the England game, we were always setting up to try and 
um, hold hold England at bay, try and get try and get away with something, um, and that that was the one that it worked. The the two games we were expected to go and try and win was when it didn't work. So uh, to be honest, this is this is probably the kind of triple header that is best suited for Clark, in that you've got two away games that we are the underdogs. We're probably expecting to sit in and try and hit them on the break, and then Moldova, as you say, Touchwood should take care of itself. So. I actually think this is actually well suited for Cluck. And to be honest, if it doesn't go well, then I'm a little bit more concerned because th- these are the ones that we've kind of brought Clark in to get results in. And if, and if he stops getting the results to go with, with the way he's setting the team up, then I think that's more of an issue going forward. That's Well, that's where, that's where the early contract renewal would come into to doubt, to be honest, if Clark's USP doesn't produce the goods when it, when it needs to. Um, because, yes, we... we can't really afford to lose well both of these games. If we lose both of them, then I think it's it's done and dusted. If we can nick a point uh, from Austria, and I think it's all to play for for second place. But if Austria beat us, then uh, it doesn't look good, Gordon. So I think um, that this is why I think some people are saying or raising an eyebrow at the fact that the contract renewal has been done now. I get why it's it's for the security and for the continuity. Um, for the team and for Clark, because then they know that he's going to be around um, for the next couple of years unless someone comes in and pays a, a clause to, to release him from his contract. But I think that if, for example, we do set up um, a way to Denmark um, and a way to Austria and it comes back to bite us in the arse when it's a situation that Clark is supposed to come into his own, that's why I think some people will say that it seems strange to have done it now rather than into October or November. Yeah, look, I, I can I can completely see that perspective. Of course, I can. Um, but but then you know, again, it, it comes back to the whole your perspective on the Euros as well, because you know, people keep telling me that we were super defensive and super negative at the Euros, and yet with forty two shots over three games, and yeah, we, that only turned into one goal, but we did create the chances, so we were not a million miles away from converting them into goals and converting them into draws and wins. So. And as I said earlier, if we can if we can go to Wembley and nullify a team like England, then absolutely, why can't we then go to Denmark and do the same against Denmark and potentially take a draw off them or beat them and and Austria go toe to toe with them as well? So I think there's there's a lot to be there's a lot to for us to prove in this triple header, but I don't think there's anything for us to fear, and I don't think we need to be going into this already ruling ourselves out as some people seem to always want to do. It's just bizarre you know remember Gordon though we're Scottish football fans so any more than five backwards passes in the space of two minutes means defensive yeah yeah, yeah. no you're right yeah. it's just... I know yeah I, know. I think we have to, we have to give a little bit of leeway for the Euros I think in the fact that there was so much nerves and like you know it's totally understandable given how long it had been so I think Clark was maybe a little bit more defensive in playing one up front in that first game. I think that was a mistake. We look back at that one. I think I, I, I think, I think Clark will. I think Clark would admit that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he just. And it, but again, it's totally understandable given the size of the occasion and the importance, the way that everyone was watching that game. And he obviously didn't want us to get beat, but it didn't work. So, I'm kind of half half with half without. I just think. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I think he does have a bit of ground to make up in these next few games because I think the Euros was a little bit of a missed opportunity. 
Not not to not to get bogged down in the Euros, right? We've we've got a whole load of podcasts. If you're a new listener, you can go back if you want to. Um, well, I suppose torture yourself with those podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did previews and reviews of every game, but not to get too bogged down in the Czech Republic game. But that did hinge on a, a bizarre couple of minutes when, and if I'm remembering this correctly, Lyndon Dykes had that chance where the keeper somehow swatted it away from him um, when he was about to tap it in. And then not long after that, Schick scored from what 60 yards or whatever. So that, that game did hinge on a, a fairly mental. Um, passage of play. I, I've got that right, have I? When Dykes, there yeah, was one 0 yeah, when yeah, that chance was taken away from Dykes. Yeah, there was, was. There, was, there was there was there was the almost own goal, but then there was also Jack Hendry hit the bar as well. Uh huh. Yeah, that's and right. And then they go yeah. up the other end. So, yeah. so like very, very much as soon as the second half starts, all the momentum was with us. Shea Adams had come on. Mm-hmm. If we had scored, then the pendulum totally swings. It's one yeah. one, and there's probably only one winner in the game. And yeah, they score a wonder goal at nothing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And this is the, the, we're we're sliding into our comfort zone here with but yeah. with fifth spots and maybe's. Let's let's get away from this. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but the I, yeah, we can't see too much changing for the for the Denmark game. It literally can't. There's only been really one outfield change, which is Lewis Ferguson for John Fleck. John Fleck didn't play much for Scotland. Can't see Lewis Ferguson playing much for Scotland in this camp. He will go on to have many caps, at least a couple dozen, I'm sure. But right now. I'm sure he's been brought in with that in mind that he will go on and have a good Scotland career. And at the moment, there are a few players in front of him. Um, so, yeah, uh, unless you have anything else to, to add, guys, um, I think we've covered pretty much all we can. Uh, ben, Gordon, anything? No, I think we're good. I think we just hope for hope for positive performances. And, you know, this, this triple header is huge um, for Clark and for Scotland. So, fingers crossed we can, we can put in a Wembley-esque performance uh, and pick up some points. Yeah, definitely. Wembley, Wembley has to be the bar. That 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 is the high water mark, and that is the bar that we we go for going forward. And frankly, I think I think if we hit those performance levels more often than not, I think this team will be absolutely fine. And and it's exciting. I'm, it's really exciting to be back. So good to be yeah. with you all. Yeah, the, the stand the standard has been set. We know how this team can play. If they don't reach that level, it will be disappointing. That that's really what it comes down to now, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. All right, okay, we'll we'll be back during or after the international break um, to have a look at how Scotland have done. Let's hope it's a positive podcast. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.